Today I will talk on Metta as a Brahma Vihara, as a divine abiding, and how the Brahma Viharas can serve as a support for liberation and full awakening. Basically, the goal of the Buddha's teaching is to, be, is to become free or to become liberated from all kinds of suffering or dissatisfaction or to find true happiness and peace in ourselves. As simple as this goal sounds, the way to actualize this goal is not so simple, not so easy. We must look at our life, at our situation, at our relationships, and especially we must look at our minds, the working of our minds. So in order to become really free and liberated, we must include all aspects of our life into our practice. The Buddha was a pragmatic. He was not really interested in setting up a nice philosophical system or an elaborate theory. He was much more interested to share his understanding and wisdom with other people, with other beings, so that they too could become free and liberated. And so with this in mind, the Buddha taught many different approaches. He explained various practices and he mentioned many different qualities to be developed. He also gave detailed instructions for the practice of meditation. And so what is collected in, in the Pali Canon, the Buddhist scriptures, it is said it's a body of altogether 84,000 teachings. The richness of this teaching addresses the different dispositions and inclinations of people because the Buddha knew very well what kind of teaching or practice would best suit a certain person. And so in this way, his teaching, his advice, his instruction was always tailored for his listeners. And as a result of that, it always helped the person, the listeners, to deepen their understanding and eventually to become fully liberated. Here is just a small example of how the Buddha knew how to teach or make a person uh, understand. At the time of the Buddha, there was a certain monk. His name was 
Chula Pantaka, and he had been a monk for not so long a time, but uh, he was about to disrobe and go back to back to lay life, because what was bothering him was the fact that his teacher monk told him to memorize just one verse. But this monk, Jula Pantaka, he was not able to memorize this little verse. So he got very disappointed and frustrated and thought he would never get anywhere in this practice. The Buddha came to know about that he wanted to leave the order, so he went to him and asked him why he wanted to disrobe. And the monk told him that he felt he was useless and stupid and that he didn't think he deserved the monkhood because he thought he would never realize the final goal. So then the Buddha, knowing his disposition, knowing his temperament, he gave him a piece of white cloth and told the monk to rub his face with this white cloth and then see what would happen. The monk did, as the Buddha said, rubbed the white cloth on his face and then he noticed that it had become dirty, that it wasn't so white anymore. And it was by seeing this that the monk realized the changing nature of everything, that he realized the impure nature of things. So it was exactly this teaching that was the eye-opener for this monk. With this, he stayed, he stayed a monk, continued his practice, and, yes, a happy end, he finally became fully liberated. Now let's go back to the basic and simple goal of the Buddha's teaching, namely the liberation of the heart and mind from all that which causes grief, worry, unhappiness, mental distress. Or in other words, to realize true and lasting happiness and peace within one's heart and mind. So the full liberation of the heart and mind is based on wisdom, on understanding. And to this end, we must see and understand things as they truly are. We must understand the ultimate or absolute reality of all that exists. We must understand the universal laws that are at work in us, in our body and mind, and around us, in the world, in the universe. So this 
deep and transforming understanding comes about through the practice of vipassana meditation or insight meditation. And many of you are vipassana yogis. Many of you are familiar with the practice of insight meditation. So I will not go further into this topic. But we must understand that the practice of vipassana meditation is embedded in a comprehensive teaching that is laid out in the Noble Eightfold Path. Or in other words, we can say that this comprehensive teaching includes the two wings of wisdom and compassion. As a natural result of one's deepening wisdom and understanding, one's actions will become more kind. They will become more compassionate because we come to see and understand the connectedness of all that exists. We see how we are dependent on each other, on anything. But as we also know from our vipassana practice or else, the defilements, they are deeply rooted in our heart and mind. These defilements have become a very strong habitual reaction. And so that's why our reactions are not always kind or compassionate. Very often, as we may notice, they are based on anger or aversion, frustration or jealousy or desire, attachment, envy, and so on. So in order to weaken these defilements or to weaken these unskillful reactions, the Buddha taught a set of four qualities which are skillful, which are wholesome, beneficial. And I find them very helpful in my day-to-day -day life, but also in my formal practice. These four qualities are the Brahma Viharas. And there are four Brahma Viharas. Last night we did a chant, chanting these four qualities, namely metta as loving kindness, benevolence, friendliness, or universal love, then karuna, compassion, mudita, sympathetic joy, or altruistic joy, and the fourth one is upeka, equanimity, a balanced state of mind. So as we can see, these four qualities of the heart and mind, they are not completely out of reach. Because we know we all can be 
kind or compassionate or rejoicing at others' success or be balanced, equanimous at times. But unfortunately, that's not always our attitude or reaction. Often we fall prey to our habitual reactions based on the defilements, so reacting in negative patterns with aversion, hatred, wanting, greed, jealousy, frustration, and so on. So one of the immediate benefits of these four Brahma-viharas is the fact that we can replace a negative reaction, let's say anger, with a wholesome state of mind. In this case, it would be metta, loving-kindness. For example, instead of getting upset at the nasty comment of my brother, I can decide to keep the anger inside me and then reply in a calm way, kind way, not to let the upsetness coming out. Or here comes the example of Sharon Salzberg. She is a well-known, beloved American meditation teacher. And she relates an incident where the negative and habitual reaction was immediately, immediately replaced by a meta-thought. Long time ago, she had been practicing metta meditation for about one week. But then, for some reason, she had to urgently leave the retreat. And this retreat was actually the very first time that she had engaged in the practice of metta meditation. And during that week, to her it seemed as if she was only repeating the phrases. She, thought, she said she didn't feel anything, but she kept repeating the phrases. And she thought she did not make any progress. But then, yes, she had to leave. So she hurriedly packed her things in a bag. And as she put things in her bag, a glass container dropped on the floor and split into thousand pieces. And her first reaction was, you are such a failure, you are such a dummy. But immediately after that, the thought arose, but I love you anyway. <laughs> and with that, she realized that she had made progress, that something actually happened, transformed in her heart-mind. In a day-to-day -day situation, it's rarely possible to take one's time 
and be aware of one's anger when we are abused or harmed, whatever. You know, there is seldom the time to say to the, to the other person, sorry, I realize that strong anger has arisen. Please wait a while until I have mindfully observed my anger. Afterwards, I might answer your question. But what is possible in such a situation is when we are mindful so that we consciously arouse metta or compassion in order to replace the anger. And then when it's possible to replace the anger by metta or compassion, then we can respond in a better way because the mind is not overcome with this anger. So when the mind is not overcome with anger or any other destructive emotion, the mind is, has more clarity and this helps to find a skillful, appropriate answer or reaction. And so in this way, we do not add more fuel to the fire. Metta and the other three Brahma-viharas, they are a great support for our Vipassana meditation practice. Both need one another. Both supplement each other. Bhikkhu Analayo is a German monk. He is a great scholar, Buddhist scholar, and also an ardent meditator. He has written many books, um, especially also about the Satipatthana Sutta, about the practice of Vipassana meditation. And in regard to these Brahma-viharas, he has said, I don't see the Brahma-vihara practice as something totally distant from Satipatthana practice, but as a logical extension. So when we are able to respond in a kind or compassionate way, instead with anger or aversion, then we experience directly how the mind free from anger feels like. Because in that very moment, when there is strong metta or compassion, then we are almost like an arahant who is free from any kind of unwholesome states of mind. So for that very moment, we can get a taste of how a mind full of kindness feels like. So then we can directly and personally experience the liberating force of such a beneficial state of mind. So in this way, the practice of the Brahma-viharas gives us a foretaste 
of the ultimate goal of the wisdom practice, vipassana practice. And again, in the words of Bhikkhu Analayo, the Arahant, a fully awakened person, the Arahant is qualified by being totally free from unwholesomeness. This in turn means that a fully awakened person relates to others by way of the four Brahma-viharas with metta or compassion or sympathetic joy or equanimity. So, in a way, the Brahma-viharas give us a foretaste of the final goal towards which we work with Satipatthana meditation. Now I will give a short overview over the four Brahma-viharas. But first of all, I will say a few words why these four qualities are called Brahma-viharas. So the Pali word Brahma-vihara has two parts, Brahma and Vihara. Brahma is a designation for a being in the heavenly realm or heavenly realms. There are different levels of Brahma realms. Often this Pali word Brahma is also translated as God, gods, which I do not find very helpful because it has nothing to do with a god as we understand it in Christianity or um, in Islam. So in the Buddhist cosmologies, cosmology, the Brahmas are living beings who are reborn in these heavenly Brahma realms due to the development of their minds, especially due to the development of their samadhi, concentration, being able to access the jhanas, absorptions. Then the other part of the word vihara, this means dwelling or abode. It can be a physical dwelling, such as a monastery, a hermitage, a place in a cave under a tree. Or it can also mean a mental dwelling, dwelling, for example, in a joyful state of mind, dwelling in metta or in compassion. So this word Brahma-vihara then means dwelling like a Brahma or dwelling like the gods, dwelling like these heavenly beings. The Buddha said that whenever a person is dwelling in metta, karuna, mudita, or upekha, then this person at that time is dwelling like a Brahma, 
And so did Brahma Viharas. They give human beings living on earth access to purified states of mind, purified from certain defilements. And these Brahma Viharas, they are translated as the four divine abodes or the four immeasurables or the four sublime states or the four illimitables. So metta or loving-kindness is the first of these Brahma-viharas. For me, metta is or should be the basic and natural state from which we act in this world. The basic goodness of human beings is to be friendly, is to be kind, loving, and caring. So when the heart and the mind is free from all the harmful and destructive emotions which have deeply taken root in our heart and mind, then the heart and mind can radiate its natural kindness, its natural compassion, unconditional love. So with a mind full of loving kindness, then all of our actions will come from that place of a loving and kind heart. Then our physical actions will be based on metta, our speech will be suffused with friendliness, and our thoughts will come from that place of benevolence and friendliness. Bhikkhu Analayo, he calls metta the basic mood with which we interact with others. It's obvious we share this world with other people, with other living beings. And so for a harmonious relationship with others, we must behave and act in a way that is not harming others, not creating suffering to any creature. So based on metta, we do not hurt and harm others, including ourselves, but instead with metta, we contribute to well-being and happiness for everyone. Metta, this Pali word, can be translated in several ways. Loving kindness, or friendliness, benevolence, or goodwill, amity, or universal love, unconditional love. The Pali word metta comes from a Pali word mit, which means to soften or to love, and also from mitta, which means 
a true friend. You may be familiar with this word in Karyana Mita, spiritual friend. So Metta is that which softens the heart and the mind and which results in a warm, friendly, loving disposition, which is not based on self-interest. So as such, metta is the strong wish for the welfare and happiness of all beings, including oneself. Metta is like a soft rain in the summer that falls evenly on earth, on all beings, on everything. It doesn't make any exceptions. It doesn't discriminate to where the metta rain will fall. So metta, when it is strongly, powerfully developed, it has no barriers. It's limitless. It's boundless. Metta is the antidote to all forms of dosa, meaning anger, aversion, ill will, enmity, frustration, or fear. Metta is also free from any form of desire or lust or attachment. Metta is free from expectations. Metta does not want anything in return. Then the second of these four Brahma Viharas is Karuna, compassion. So Karuna means compassion as the ability to hold the suffering of others and oneself, as well as the wish to end the suffering or to ease the suffering to others or in oneself. Or to be more clear, it is not only the empathetic wish for all beings to be free from suffering, but it also includes to try to do something about relieving the suffering whenever it is possible. So this active part becomes obvious when we look at the root of the word karuna. The root is kar, which means to do or to make. And so this active side of compassion is also obvious in the words of the Buddha um, to his disciples. After 60 monks had become fully liberated, the Buddha said to them, Wander forth, O monks, for the welfare of the multitude for the happiness of the multitude, out of compassion for the world. 
Of course, the Buddha not only told his disciples to spread the Dhamma out of compassion for the world, but this was also his motivation. Out of his great compassion, the Buddha spent 45 years wandering around in northern India after he had become the Buddha. Karuna is the antidote to insensitivity or to coldness or to heartlessness. As I've said, metta is the basic quality of the heart and mind to be kind, friendly, loving towards all beings in all situations. Karuna, compassion, is more specific, but Karuna, compassion, is based on the general attitude of loving-kindness. Compassion is arising when one is confronted with suffering of any kind, with one's own suffering, with the suffering of others. Any kind of suffering, be it physical, be it mental, be it emotional. I think it cannot be stressed enough that compassion does not mean to suffer with the other. This is a very important point because compassion is not a painful mental condition in which we, we suffer and are badly affected um, with the suffering of the other person. On the contrary, compassion is a positive mental state that is open to the suffering of oneself or others, and at the same time, compassion envisions an improvement of the condition, an ease of the suffering, or a complete relief from the suffering. And so, in order to alleviate the suffering, one is willing to go out of one's way, which means one is willing to do something to relieve, alleviate the suffering whenever it's possible. And so it is out of this willingness to help relieve suffering that a joy and happiness arises. Here is an example of an Indonesian woman who manifested this uh, quality of compassion. This Indonesian woman had lost her husband because he got killed in a car accident. It was a young Indonesian man who caused the accident. The young man did not really get hurt, but the husband died. The Indonesian woman, she did not take legal action 
against this young man because she did not want to cause suffering or unhappiness to somebody else. And she even gave a scholarship to this young man so that he could uh, get a good education. It was not easy for this woman, but she was able to do it. And it made her happy that she could ease the suffering of that young man. The third of these Brahma-viharas is mudita, sympathetic joy or altruistic joy. And mudita is the ability to rejoice in the virtues or the success of others. So whereas compassion is directed towards beings who suffer, sympathetic joy is directed towards beings who are doing well or who are successful, who are healthy, who are happy. So like Karuna, Mudita is more specific than Metta. Mudita is also based on Metta, but it is directed at another person or living being who is, so to speak, on the sunny side of life. A Tibetan teacher, Buddhist teacher, his name is Tsika Kongtrul Rinpoche, he describes the attitude of mudita as rejoicement therapy. He says, one way to guarantee happiness is to rejoice in the good qualities of others. Not only is this an antidote for envy, it also generates warmth and brings us heartfelt joy. So the opposite of mudita, sympathetic joy, is envy or jealousy and discontent. Then the fourth of these Brahma-viharas is upeka, equanimity. So upeka, equanimity, as a Brahma-vihara, is not a cold and distant attitude towards other living beings. It's not an attitude of indifference or apathy. Rather, Equanimity is a balanced state of mind that can face any difficult experience with equanimity. And like compassion and sympathetic joy, equanimity is also based on metta. However, together with wisdom, understanding, it realizes that the only skillful reaction is one of being equanimous. 
This means when it is not possible or when it is not appropriate to react with metta or karuna or mudita, then one can face the situation, the conditions, with a balanced state of mind. One can face, face it with equanimity. And so in this way, one does not fall into any negative or unwholesome reactions. In 2001, when the 9-11 event happened in New York, I was in Burma at the Chamyayeta Meditation Center practicing meditation. At that time, the American Embassy in Yangon organized a memorial service in honor of all the people who died in this attack on the World Trade Centers. My teacher, Sayad Ujanaka, was invited to this memorial service as a representative of the Buddhist community. And they had also invited Christian, Hindu, and Muslim speakers for this event. Later, in one of his Dhamma talks, Sayadu Ujjanaka mentioned this memorial service, and he said that he spoke about the Brahma-viharas, mentioning especially equanimity. And he explained that equanimity was a wholesome reaction to such a cruel attack because it prevents the person from falling into the trap of aversion, anger, hatred. So equanimity is a wholesome response in a situation when the other three Brahma-viharas are not appropriate. With equanimity, when we have trained it, cultivated it, then we become less vulnerable to the ups and downs of life. We understand that life is not always a smooth ride and we understand that we do not have absolute control over our situation in this world. We know that unpleasant, painful, distressing, distressing situations do arise time and again to us and to others. But with a well-trained mind, we can face these painful and difficult situations with wisdom, with equanimity, knowing that, that such difficulties, that such pain is normal and that it is not our fault. In other words, we understand the workings of the law of cause and effect. 
or the basic principle of karma. With karma, the Buddha was referring to intentional actions of body, speech, and mind. And he said that these intentional actions, they do produce results sooner or later. And with this understanding in mind, we can better remain equanimous when faced with a difficult situation or a difficult person. As we can see, these four Brahma-viharas are incredibly helpful and they are really beautiful states of mind and heart. And our life would surely look different if only we could be kind, compassionate, rejoice at the happiness and success of others, or be equanimous. And the whole world would look different if all the people would just be kind, compassionate, rejoicing, and equanimous. This would be quite a revolution. <laughs> so, you know, even without the practice of vipassana meditation, everybody manifesting these Brahma Viharas would be so much happier in this world. Everybody would suffer so much less in this world. In several suttas, discourses, the Buddha spoke of the liberation of heart by loving kindness. And so with this, the Buddha means the liberation of the heart and mind from ill will, anger, aversion, hate, and so on. It is not the full liberation where all defilements are completely uprooted. This liberation of heart by loving kindness, this is a temporary liberation. However, this temporary liberation is very powerful. If we can access this liberation of the heart, liberation from anger, aversion, and so on, so then we can get a very direct and personal experience what a mind feels like when anger and so on is not present. And as we know, when metta is genuinely present, also attachment, wanting, lust, and so on are absent. So one can also experience a mind free from any kind of wanting, desire, lust, and attachment. And with this experience, you know, it's like one experiences heaven on earth. One feels 
like a god, like a Brahma, like a heavenly being. So the practice of the four Brahma Viharas, they are uh, included in the practice of Samatha meditation. So each of these four Brahma Viharas can be developed separately in the same way as we now engage in the cultivation of metta, we can, one could do it for karuna or mudita or upeka. An advantage of taking one of the four Brahma Viharas as the object for a samatha meditation is the fact that we can experience this liberation of the heart even without reaching the jhanas or absorptions. You know, other objects for samatha meditation are, for example, anapanasati, the breath, or taking a kasina, a colored disc. There, one would need to reach absorption to feel this liberation of the heart from the defilements, this temporary liberation. So this liberation of the heart is something that with a little bit of practice, most of us can actually do. It's a level of so-called attainment if you want to really call it attainment. So it is much easier to reach than full absorption, jhana. And so this can take away the stress for many meditators that they would need to reach the jhana or absorption. So a focused mind full of metta, genuine metta, means the mind is free from anger and so on, lust, attachment and so on. So the mind in this moment is temporarily free. It's liberated from these negative emotions. And it's really a very powerful and liberating experience. Another advantage is that with the practice of the Brahma Viharas, we do not only deepen the concentration and maybe attain the jhanas, but we also at the same time cultivate and strengthen qualities of the heart and mind which are so helpful, so beneficial, so important. Because if you only would take the breath or a kasina for a samatha practice, we would reach deep states of concentration, the jhanas, but no other quality of the heart and mind is developed besides it.
Then another advantage is the influence that these Brahma-viharas have on our vipassana meditation practice. So when there is a strong base of kindness, of compassion, of joy or equanimity in our heart and mind, then it is much easier to deal with difficult experiences in our vipassana meditation practice. Meditators who have switched from metta then to vipassana practice have been surprised to see that the mind is much more open and much kinder in response to difficult experiences, to the defilements. Or they have noticed that the mind is much less reactive or fearful when dealing with difficult experiences. So with all these different advantages, we see that the Brahma-viharas act as a strong support for the practice of liberation, for becoming completely free from all kinds of suffering, a supportive base for full awakening. So the more we cultivate metta, karuna, mudita, and upeka, the more we strengthen a wholesome mental disposition. And as a result, the stronger these qualities will become rooted in our heart and mind. And this leads to a transformation in the heart and mind that will have far-reaching effects. At first, this transformation may not be so obvious, but with time, it will manifest more often and more clearly. I will close this talk with the words of Patrul Rinpoche, who was a well-known and famous teacher, scholar in the Tibetan Buddhist tradition. He lived in the 19th century. The four boundless qualities cannot fail to cause a genuine altruistic attitude. It is therefore vital to cultivate them until they have truly taken root in us. May we be able to continue cultivating these beneficial qualities in our heart and mind, and may we all become completely free from all kinds of suffering. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.